Hi, this is Roger here. Welcome to our church online broadcast, which is now going to be available on audio. Going to start the recording of that for you shortly. And where there's um, things appearing on a screen that people would watch that wouldn't necessarily make as much sense uh, to you uh, because of the visual impact, I'll do my best to talk um, across that and over that for you. May God richly bless you as you listen to this now. Coronavirus can't work, blessing or curse. Difficult to describe this um, because this was just something uh, that was sort of like an Austin Powers uh, Mickey take, but somebody had actually placed a cartoon uh, of Boris's head on the main character dancing along the streets.
Uh, thanks, James. Actually, it's not back to me. It's actually back to Mark. I just hope he can keep a straight face. Maria and I work three days a week as a counsellor for Stars Dorset and two days a week for Damas First School. Like many people the way that I work has been changed dramatically over the past few weeks and I've definitely been dragged firmly into the 21st century regarding my use of technology. Although both of my roles has caused me to adapt in different ways I've noticed a common theme in both and that's how to best support people and how to stay connected. Although I am aware of my increased reliance on things like telephone conversations, video calling and communicating online, I'm more aware than ever that we are all different but we all have challenges and how important it is to support one another and that a little kindness goes a long way. So I do a lot of work in theatres, and my fiance owns a dance school. So obviously, all of our work has uh, just completely stopped. Uh, we're currently we have the joys or joys of homeschooling, um, but we are spending a lot more time together, which is great. Hi, I'm Claire, and I'm a consultant paediatrician at Dorset County Hospital. How has COVID-19 affected me at work? Well, there's less children getting poorly because they're not at school and they're not sharing bugs around. So that's one good thing. One tricky thing is learning how to communicate with children wearing these awful masks. Um, so we've learned lots of new tricks like lots of eyebrow wiggling and learning to try and smile with our eyes. And if all goes wrong, we just go cross-eyed. engineer my work's dropped off by around about 80% so a lot of spare time on my hands so last week was in the garden getting that all ship shape and Mandy's got me busy in the house decorating which she's doing at the moment and uh, I treated myself to converting this uh, shed at the bottom of the garden into a bit of a man cave so I'm just going to show you around what I've been doing come in here we go. So, I've got all my uh, vinyl out there, look. We've got waiting to be played. And up there, and over there, CDs at the back. Even got a little tape deck in here. And not forgetting the fridge to keep my beers in. So I'm happy. And I hope you all are. Keep them safe. God bless my name's Ian, I make big investment projects happen. Uh, under working from home under COVID, I'm a rowerman who hasn't travelled on a train for six weeks. I'm freer but busier, which is a blessing. I'm fitter, more cycling, more dog walking, better cooking. Um, and although I live alone, I'm closer to friends old and new and my church families through uh, the miracles of Zoom and Microsoft Teams, which is great. And this is Mark Atkins, take four, would you believe? Three, two, one.
non-essential travel and social distancing rules. Hi, my name is Trudy and I'm Roger's sister and I normally work as a British Sign Language interpreter, interpreting between deaf and hearing people in the community. But since the lockdown, I've had to try and use remote interpreting. Most of my work has disappeared overnight. So you'll now find me set up with my screen for my computer and my phone, trying to use Zoom and Meet and Teams and FaceTime to interpret. And this is take five for Mark Atkins. My name's Mark and I'm one of the members of the church. Uh, my job is to work for a housing association uh, called Hasto Housing and we have houses throughout the south of England. Normally I would be placed in the office in Dorchester and then visiting people in and around their homes throughout the whole west region. Of course the current pandemic that we're in has, has caused this to be quite a problem in that the office is now closed so that's changed the way I work and also the way I contact people has also had to change there can be no longer face-to-face -face visits and discussions. Much of it now is done online so I will contact people through um, websites, through emails and through discussions uh, that way. It's been really good though actually. I've been so busy uh, in the last few weeks because my role is around giving money advice to our residents uh, and this pandemic has caused lots of problems with people losing their jobs, reducing hours and it means that people are unsure about which benefits they can apply for, what might be available to them other than benefits and just general help with advice regarding their money and managing their, their, their household finances. So it's been a really exciting challenge. I've actually quite enjoyed it but it has been very, very difficult for many people. Uh, but I've been pleased to be able to, to be there to help people and to help them through this process. Thank you. <laughs> well done, Mark, for getting it right in the end. He got there, didn't he? Okay. There's another reason, you know, why we've asked people to comment on their work situation this week. Fascinating though it was to hear about the changes, the pressures, the creative thinking as people try to get their heads around what's happening in the world. All of these changes, of course, came out of the blue and were pretty much forced upon us with immediate effect. Change is hard. Sudden change, though, is really tough. And that, coupled with a loss of purpose or direction, can create a real anxiety be pretty stressful, humiliating, maybe quite numbing. You know, there were similar feelings after all the significant events of the first Easter. Now, we understandably focus here uh, at church about Jesus dying on a cross on Good Friday. He's coming back to life on Easter Sunday. The countless uh, people that he saw after his resurrection. But before you know, this motley crew of first believers were then spreading the word literally that there could be life and forgiveness in Jesus' name. But after the resurrection events of Easter Sunday, and before they got started on that new fang mission, there was a gap. A gap suddenly forced upon them. They'd stopped their work, their everything, to follow this Jesus. He told them to go to Galilee. They did just that. But what next? I think it was a really uncomfortable time. On one occasion, they gathered on the seashore. Apparently confused and frustrated with this gap period they find themselves in. And they didn't ask for this after all. Ring any bells? We're going to take a trip where hopefully we can capture something of what might have been going on. So come on, we're going to take a trip to Lake Galilee. Well, here we are on the edge of the Sea of Tiberias. Sea of Tiberias is what it says in here in John chapter 21. It's actually exactly the same as uh, Lake Galilee, the Lake of Galilee. And in terms of uh, how I managed to get here, well, of course the, uh, the Greek interpretation of that word is actually better known in the English as Weymouth. So here I am, Weymouth. It seems a bit surreal, but I was just trying to get my head around 
what it must have felt like for those fishermen to suddenly have a call out from Jesus less than a hundred metres away to those expert fishermen. Haven't you got any fish? I bet they love that. Why do they go fishing anyway? They were told to wait. We're in the sort of like the, the in-between stage really where these disciples have been really down and low at the crucifixion understandably. Then there's been this amazing account of the resurrection. They'd actually seen Jesus as well on a couple of occasions. They were all excited and yet because Jesus has said I want you to go ahead of me to Galilee. Well there they are but there's no Jesus. So what do they do when they're waiting? There's a job that Jesus has got for them. But that's as yet to happen. So there's seven of them there. Not the whole group. That in itself was quite bizarre. It strikes me that it was almost like they had the rug pulled from completely underneath their feet. They were fed up with the waiting. And then they're just twiddling their thumbs and not knowing what to do. Peter, very often the, the headstrong member of the group, said, right, that's it, I'll go and eat the fish. The wind you could probably hear on Weymouth Seafront. Well, the weather was certainly better there than it is here. Okay, to hear what happened on that occasion, we're going to look at the passage in question from John chapter 21 in one of the Gospels, and Pat is going to read that for us right now. The reading is taken from John chapter 21, beginning at verse 1. Jesus appears to the disciples while fishing. Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, We'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realise that it was Jesus. He called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. When they did... They were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, a hundred and fifty-three. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Not one of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So we are on the other side of Easter. That can be a very uncertain place to be. Let me tell you what I mean. Perhaps you've had your own kind of resurrection experience. You felt touched or changed or impacted. You had a real experience of God. Or maybe an answer to one of your prayers. And you said, right, that's it. I know this is true. Now I'm going to live for this God. Or perhaps you've had a resurrection experience that's come about somewhat surprisingly, as a result of a tough time, a difficult time. Life was tough. You may even have been angry with God or doubted with him altogether. It does happen. And then you saw the leading of God's hand. Or maybe you just knew that he was right there by you in your own struggles. 
the God thing had somehow become real for you. Now I want you to picture yourself just a few days later. That initial excitement is maybe subsiding. The event is clothed in mystery. You begin to ask yourself, did that really happen? Was that resurrection experience for me genuine after all? You're on the other side of resurrection. Your own. Easter. It's a very uncertain place to be, or at least it can be. Life on the other side of Easter is not easy. It's always tempting to go back to where you were, to go back to who you were, to go back to what you were doing before. We need regular reassurance. Well, you're not on your own. Those first few disciples were exactly the same. We read in John chapter 20, as Pat read to us in verse 14, this was now the third time that Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. There were seven disciples altogether. Thankfully, Thomas, or as he was known, Dating Thomas, was there as well. Others, I'm sure, were maybe catching up on their emails or whatever. It seems strange, though, that they weren't all together. Because at other times, that was the sense of unity that they had, and, and, and they found a sense of a bond and a security in being together. I wonder if there'd been some form of disagreement. They would all have been in Galilee, that's for sure, because that's where Jesus had told them to go. Matthew chapter 28, verse 7, Mark chapter 14, verse 28, and chapter 16, verse 7. All say that. Matthew chapter 28, verse 16 says that when they all did get together, it was on the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. Was that the designated meeting point? But Peter maybe got bored. So, with nothing to do, he then led a group off to fill the time. Got any plans today? Maybe he'd had enough of lockdown. He probably assumed the rest of the crew would follow him. But for whatever reason, not everybody did. God says, see, I am doing a new thing. We can very often say, see, I'm doing my own thing. Leon Morris, who commentated on this passage, uh, said these words. He said, the general impression that you get is of men without a purpose. Maybe the recent events that have brought not just tragedy, but disruption all around us, especially within the workplace, have thrown you. Like Peter, you're fed up with waiting, feeling helpless, finding yourself in a place you certainly didn't choose or plan for. Talk about a bombshell. Hello. Hi there, David. It's Roger. Hello, Roger. How are you doing? Not too bad, on the whole. Not too bad. <laughs> well, thank you very much for being willing to uh, uh, to chat to us. My pleasure. Uh, I know that lots of people, uh, as we've spoken about, have been enforced to be staying at home and they can't work. And uh, as we've chatted, obviously, you had your own struggles last year, uh, some 12 months ago or beyond now, where yeah. you had that enforced. Just uh, for the uh, the purpose of people that may well not know some of your background, David, uh, tell us about your own shock that came... Uh, you were well, Hillary's way okay. last year. Completely out of the blue, without any prior warning or, or previous uh, indications, I was suddenly diagnosed with bowel cancer, um, which by that this that time had started also to impact on my liver. So I had it in two places, and um, between April and June, I had two big operations. And that was then followed by a course of chemotherapy, which went on until just before Christmas. That that was pretty devastating, I know, with regards to the whole physicality that you mm -hmm. were going through and appointments after appointments. But it's the, the emotional turmoil, as, as we spoke, that I know was pretty harrowing uh, for yourself and, and for Hillary. I mean, just to explain to people how you suddenly felt from knowing where you were going, then suddenly the rugs pulled from underneath your feet. And particularly from the work perspective yeah. of you being yeah. a guy, how did that work out oh, for you both, and particularly yourself? Yeah, completely. You, you, it, as I say, it came so totally out of the blue without any warning, and uh, basically brought my working life to a shuddering halt, even though I was planning to retire 
uh, around this time, this year. Um, and it just rips away everything that uh, has normally given uh, form and purpose and uh, impulse to your life. I mean, it's, it's you know, I was, a, uh, I was a solicitor for 40 years and it um, suddenly, it's not there anymore. Very tough time and still going on, I know, with other appointments and, and stuff like that. As you look back, David, at these just over 12 months now, uh, what, what do you think you've, you've learned your, yourself, particularly maybe in the context of, of how it's going to be for some people that, um, that although not through a, a physical illness, but they've suddenly got no job or they can't yeah. work or they're not yeah. allowed out. Um, you guys have obviously had beyond 12 months yeah. of of having got used to that and learned some stuff on the journey. Um, anything that you've learned that would be useful to pass on, you think, to others? Well, I say we've had time, but, I mean, really, because it was so unplanned, we still haven't got any clear idea of what life is going to look like when this is finally over. But I think um, if I have got any advice to people, the first thing is just to, to begin by acknowledging that you have these feelings. You've got these feelings of... of um, uselessness, frustration, um, anger, humiliation even, because your, yeah. you know, your purpose has, has kind of been taken away from you. And you need to acknowledge them and not push them down or push them away and to realise that you're not alone and lots of other people have them too. And it's right and good to talk about them and break the silence about it. Um, and I think going on from that, um, it's to accept that it's okay not to be okay. We, yeah. we, we, we seem to have this thing both as, uh, as people and particularly as Christians, you know, you've got to press on, you've got to be joyful and victorious all the time. And sometimes we, sometimes we just can't be. And we have to acknowledge that it's, I'm not okay at the moment. And that's all right. Uh, um, because if you don't, then you'll just end up feeling even more condemned and useless. Um, and thirdly, I think, going on again from that, is to try to resist the temptation to allow other people and other people's expectations to dictate how you should think and feel and behave. It, yeah. It's actually okay to have ordinary days which don't particularly achieve very much. Um, a routine is important. Of course it's important. But you don't have to feel that you've necessarily been fruitful or uh, uh, achieved an objective on any particular day. Slobbing out's fine. I like the sound of that. Up to a point. <laughs> and then finally, I think perhaps the most important thing is to try to treat yourself with compassion. Um, and that doesn't mean letting yourself off the hook or, you know, saying, I can have that extra chocolate biscuit because I deserve it. What I mean by, by that is um, try to treat yourself as you would want a good friend to treat you, to yeah. treat you with kindness and with respect and with empathy and with encouragement um, and not with um, criticism or harshness or flippancy. Um, God wants us all to flourish, so we should rightly want that for ourselves. Yeah, that's very wise. Sometimes uh, easier said than done, I guess. But for people, uh, David, that are... Uh uh, thinking, you know, I, I had this, I knew, knew where I was going, had a sense of purpose, suddenly, boom, gone, nothing, yeah. um, all sorts of fears yeah. and insecurities. Mm -hmm. uh, what, what about those who feel, well, where's God for me right now? What, what would you say? Well, I think if, um, it's all about hope, really. It's, it's hoping in God and, and, and knowing that God loves us and wants us to flourish despite all the circumstances. And as it says in um, Isaiah 40, those who hope in the Lord, or those who wait upon the Lord, those, the promises that you will renew your strength, that you'll mount up on wings like an eagle, you'll run and not faint, you'll walk and not be weary. And I think in these days particularly, we need to keep hope alive. Yeah, excellent. That's, re that's really helpful. Hanging on to hope is a good place to end, I think. David, that's really been so helpful. Thank, Thank you so much. For your time, I'm going to go and practice the uh, the slobbing <laughs> recommended now. It's my pleasure. Uh, as we return to the um, the studio that is DCC BBC, I guess. Right. David, for your time anyway. Bye. Bye. See you in Hillary. Bye.
I'm really glad that David spoke about hope. Because at the end of the day, we all need that, don't we? No matter what we feel or what comes our way, we need to know that the God of the Bible remains a God of hope. And millions, of course, would testify to that being the case. To give us a taste of that hope and hopefully put a smile on our faces. Before we return to that passage, here's a song produced by our puppet team. I think you're going to enjoy it. You're going to have to imagine watching Andrew and his team with our Ministry of Puppets now. And if you recognise the words of this well-known song, why not sing along? enjoyed that. Did you sing along? It's good to remind ourselves, isn't it, that we do indeed live in a wonderful world. And thanks again to our Ministry of Puppets for putting a smile on our faces. It's also good to pray together. 
And that's what we're going to do right now. One of our leadership team, Dave Enright, is going to lead us now in a short time of prayer. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we come to you today to ask you to be near all those who have contracted the coronavirus and are suffering the painful effects of it in their bodies. We pray that you will give them the strength they need to come through and return to full health. We pray for those, Lord, uh, of their loved ones as they wait in uncertainty, that you will give them hope. And for those who have lost loved ones, Lord, that you will give them your peace, the inner peace that only you can give, that will sustain them through troubled times. We ask for our government and for their advisers. Please give them wisdom and direction as they seek to bring our country through this time of national and personal tragedy. Lift them where they face personal attacks as they try to do the right thing in keeping deaths and infections as low as possible. Lord, we thank you for the prayers that you have answered for the physical and spiritual healing of those we have brought to you. And for those who are waiting, we ask that your will be done in every situation. We pray for all frontline workers in hospitals and care homes and for carers visiting lockdown and at-risk people in flats and houses. Protect them as they selflessly look after those in their care, despite the risks they face in doing so. Please bless them for their courage and devotion. Dear Lord, we look to a sure and certain future when under your hand we return to a world that is free from this awful pandemic to a happier and more fulfilling way of life. Amen. This is a funny clip with a lady from about the 50s and... She smashes the record because she won't be going on a summer holiday. Hope you've not broken any records. By the way, they were similar to CDs, but just a lot bigger in case you don't know what a record is. We focused on the thud that Peter felt all of a sudden about his not being sure about what to do next. And we tried to reflect on how people right now may well feel something similar. But there's a lot more in this passage. Now, we haven't got time to unpack absolutely everything. But here's just a few thoughts before we end with dreaming of that barbecue on the beach, although maybe not on a day like today. There's a number of applications. And by that, this is what I mean. We believe here that the Bible is true. We believe these events really occurred. But beyond that, we believe that this is God's word to us and therefore can speak to us today, into our situation. We need to ask ourselves, what is it that happened way back then? What did that actually mean to those people way back then? And then what does that therefore mean for ourselves in the here and now, today? Well, that's the most important question. Here's a few things. Firstly, it's good to rely on Jesus, not on our own abilities. The disciples were expert fishermen. They knew these waters. They had all the right equipment. They were out at the right time. But the Bible says that they call nothing that night in verse 4. How embarrassing. They would have been hungry, no doubt exhausted, in addition to being confused, especially about where, uh, where Jesus was and what might happen uh, next. And then they hear this voice back, let's just under 100 metres away coming from someone that they didn't recognise as being Jesus. A voice of a stranger. Well, what did he know? There he is, giving them advice. Well, after first asking a question that would, I'm sure, have surely riled them. Haven't you got any fish? <clears throat> no, we haven't got any fish. Jesus wanted to remind the disciples of maybe what he'd said to them not that long ago. You can read about that in John chapter 15, verse 5, where he said to them, apart from me... You can do nothing. The events that we've got here in John chapter 21 would prove that that would certainly be the case. It's good to rely on this Jesus, not just on our own abilities. 
Secondly, each of us at times need that ping of a light bulb moment. The casting of the net by the disciples and the resulting large number of fish that were caught suddenly revealed the identity of who it was that was actually on, uh, on the shore. We read in verse 7, Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved, that would have been the Apostle John, said to Peter, It's the Lord! There was that light bulb moment. John maybe had a flashback to that miraculous catch of fish that we can read about way back in the Gospel of Luke and chapter 5. This post-resurrection repetition would have refreshed their memories, I'm sure, of that first catch of fish and reminded them that it was people, no longer fish, that was now to be their focus. Sometimes we need that light bulb moment. If you've not yet had that, why not ask God for that? Thirdly, God will never give us more than we can handle. There's this great number of fish, but the net was not torn. Obviously that must have been significant because it was written into the text. Why 153? Well, I guess there's something about the the truth within the detail. And if you're a fisherman, you want to know, hey, well, you've done. And if 153 large fish was a big catch, you want to make sure that I've got that on my calculator because I want to brag about that down the pub a little bit later on. Well, it probably highlights as well the attention to detail, doesn't it, that the Bible does give to us. But however big that catch was, it was still not too much for those disciples to be able to handle. Sometimes we we may well feel swamped with our situation. God is a very gracious God. He says, you know what? My grace is sufficient for you. Fourthly, there's that beautiful invitation at the close of that passage to spend time with Jesus. Why don't you come and have some breakfast? Maybe you can smell that wafting up of the barbecue on the beach. That invitation from Jesus by his spirit is indeed a daily ongoing invitation. I trust that you've received that. I trust that you take a chance and think, okay, if you're out there, then by your spirit, would you help me to draw close to you that I might sense something of the reality of who you are in my own life, in the here and now, in this thing that we call lockdown, in this tough place maybe that I'm in right now. Opportunity now to sing together a song called Blessed Be Your Name, which speaks about our being found in a desert place, though we walk through the wilderness. And yet what is going on for the songwriter is that no matter what, he wants to big up God's name. That's what the song title is all about. Blessed be your name. Hope that you worship God right where you are right now.
it's time to move the coffee cup from the right to the left. Because, dun dun dun, it's our celebration uh, tin time. Now, if you have been following this week by week, you know that we love chocolates. We're running out here. Who's been having the chocolates? I don't know. Okay, firstly, um, we showed you a little clip a little bit earlier on about somebody who was doing some knitting. Now you're going to actually have that person revealed. I did tell you last week, it wasn't me. Really? Mm -hmm. Lisa Knight uh, texted me and said these words. She says, as part of celebration, she said, can I give thanks for answered prayer? I've been looking back through my prayer journal and the great work that God has done. But like that black dot last week, which was in a video clip we showed, looking back and taking stock gives strength and assurance rather than only looking at the hard times in the here and now. Well, here's a little video clip as well from somebody who's been brilliant this week. I want to say a big well done to Francis for the first time who was able to cycle without stabilizers. And Ian has contacted me to say, this is his words, not mine. Rog, just to let you know, I won't do the Scottish accent, that I've become a great granddad again. Two girls, one born on the 7th and the second on the 24th. I must be very old. Both births went well and we thank God for a good outcome. Well, there's also some birthdays this week as well coming up. So a happy birthday, I have to say, to Chris Oram. And Chris, this means that you are able to demand one of these from any member of your household. It's a happy birthday on Tuesday to Molly, who is going to be nine. Happy birthday to you and Molly. You're allowed one of these as well. Ask mum or dad for a chocolate. Happy birthday to David. I don't know whether or not David warrants a celebration chocolate, but maybe Phoebe, Lois and Bethany, what you would like to give Daddy for a birthday present is to all sit on him and squash him all at the same time. What about that? That would be a great celebration, I'm sure. But it's also the birthday of two other people as well. Firstly, a happy birthday to Adam. Many happy returns of the day today to you. And it's also... A happy birthday to this lady. And here's a couple of birthday messages for her right now. Hey Mumsy, happy birthday. Sorry I can't be with you today. Uh, but just want to say have a great day. Love you loads and really hope to see you soon. Bye. Hi Mum, happy birthday. Sorry we can't be with you today, but just wanted to send a birthday message. Um, hope to see you soon. Hopefully it won't be too long. Hope you have a lovely day. Love you loads. Bye-bye. Say bye-bye to Nanny. Say bye-bye. Good girl. Say bye Good girl. Now, each week, we've kind of had a little bit of, uh, of, a, of a question for you to ponder. You've had the knitting one. You've had the cross-stitch one. Well, this is maybe less creative, but this is for, I'm sure you'll agree with me, very handsome guys who are in a Zoom meeting uh, this week. See if you can work out who these characters are. And let me know during the week. Now, obviously, I can't tell you who these four people are that's on the screen, because otherwise work may well get out and the work will be known. We're now going to respond to God in song again. It's a beautiful song called Oceans. The words will come up on the screen and I hope you enter into the experience that was certainly true to the person who wrote this song. You call me out upon the wall 
again this week. Do appreciate any of your comments or your feedback. If you'd like to know more about uh, anything that you've heard or that you've seen, why not drop us a line or an email or a text. It'd be good to hear from you. We're going to say a short prayer and I'm going to use some of the words of that song that we've just sung to reflect on in that final prayer just now. Let's pray. God, you call me out upon the waters, the great unknown where feet may fail. And there I find you in the mystery, in oceans deep. My faith will stand. And I will call upon your name and keep my eyes above the waves. When oceans rise, my soul will rest in your embrace. For I am yours and you are mine. Your grace abounds in deepest waters. Your sovereign hand will be my guide. Where feet may fail and fear surrounds me. You've never failed and you won't start now. So I will call upon your name and keep my eyes above the waves. When oceans rise, my soul will rest in your embrace. For I am yours and you are mine. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander and my faith will be made. God, we thank you for the reality of the faith of that songwriter. May this be our experience and the truth that we might know for ourselves too. We do pray for wherever we might find ourselves right now. Maybe it's in a tough work situation. Maybe we're struggling to get used to all the changes that have been thrust upon us. May we know the sense of you being with us in and through the storm as we need to make adjustments as we uh, maybe feel concerned or anxious about things financially. Help us to trust in you. And as we think of that picture of spending time on a beach over breakfast with Jesus, would you grant to us that opportunity to think of that whole God relationship in terms of an intimate relationship with you. Help us to know how we might further that, we pray. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Looks like it's still raining, eh? Yuck. Well, if it's raining on the outside, maybe it'd be good on the inside to just actually stay put, stay where you are, and think about reflecting on a piece of music that's just about to be played for you now. This is some music that's put together by our worship group. 
The song is called Mercy. Hope you enjoy. God bless. that David Holman has written uh, further to the interview that we had on the phone. If you'd like a copy of that, then do please speak to David Holman Direct or to myself. fading why not consider passing this cd on to a friend or neighbor before returning it to the church Uh, that would be great we hope that uh, god has blessed you as you've listened uh, to this and you're able to capture something of god's word for you the lord bless you and keep you this day and onwards As for me, it's Roger and I. Bye.